On first down, that was tipped, picked. Back the other way is A.J. Green. Now it's Brissett, who flexes out wide to the right, direct snap with two extra offensive linemen. Touchdown, Cleveland. Fifth Bengals drive of the game. They've thrown an interception and punted three times. So far, ball's out. Mixon trying to get on top of it. It's still out. Cleveland has it. Pressure and down goes Burrow. The rookie got him, Isaiah Thomas. That's his first sack. Brissett fakes it to Chubb. Takes off. Dives. Touchdown. Brissett looking there. Cooper. A juggle. And a touchdown. No one really knows what exactly to expect. Good protection aired out. Cooper! Diving catch inside the 15. Chubb breaks through. Touchdown, Cleveland. Yes, welcome everyone to a Victory Wednesday. Why not? Um, after a resounding 32-13 win over the Cincinnati Bengals, the Browns have promoted themselves to a 3-5 and five record. Um, well, I, I hope that you guys missed me. In any case, I've had a couple of weeks hiatus. Very, very happy to be back and happy to be talking about a Browns win. Let's introduce my... Uh, ever-present guests i'm probably gonna say now because you guys have been here for the duration i've not a wine how are you feeling bud yeah good it was nice to see a bronze performance that we could all be proud of on monday and it was exciting to watch for a change and yeah it's, it's a nice feeling isn't it coming off a win and it's not one we've had for for like a month so yeah good feeling enjoy it while it lasts yeah, it's uh, quite mad, actually. It's been a good four weeks, I think it's been, since the last uh, um, uh, Thursday night football against the Steelers, if memory serves me correctly, actually. Sean, now you've had your own stuff going with building an extension and all sorts. This must have been really nice relief for you coming out, coming out of that and coming into... Were you actually able to watch it live? or Because you weren't on the chat. Did you have to wait until the morning after? Yeah, I did. I waited till the morning after. I I did um and ah, um, but now the sleep was very much required with everything else I've had going on. Um, but yeah, lovely to wake up to hundreds of messages from you guys, um, which was good. Um, and yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it, as you say. A um, bit of strange one, really, because we've generally been pretty good following defeats under Stefanski. We haven't got on many losing runs. I think this is probably his longest losing run. I would I would say without looking it up, I guess that's probably correct. Um, so yeah, certainly felt a lot more like it. Um, so yeah, plenty of encouragement there. We say moving, moving forward. Yes, I'm. I'm usually one that's uh, cautious at this point, not to uh, not to get overexcited. But when you beat the AFC reigning champions by uh, that convincing a margin, you do uh, tend to run away with it. Anyway, let's take a look at the game in a bit more depth, shall we? So um, the Browns spooking the Cincinnati Bengals on Halloween night. 
um, and beating them in pretty much all facets of the game. Passing yards, 268 to 193. The Bengals will cite the fact that they didn't have Jamar Chase, but when you consider who else that they've got in Higgins and Boyd, you do sort of gloss over that. Rushing yards, 172 versus just 36. The the um, Cleveland defense locking down the, any chance of running early, and they weren't going to run late. Uh, both sides had a couple of turnovers, a fumble and an interception each. Uh, the Browns winning the sack race 5-2, and time of possession, which is probably actually one of the key stats when you look at it, uh, the Browns dominating that 36 minutes and 45 seconds of the total hour ha- uh, went to the Browns. Let's uh, let's take a quick look at the offense, guys, to uh, to kick off with. Um, Jacoby Brissett, after having what I thought was a you know a real off night off day a couple of weeks ago against the patriots and then a shaky but you know good enough performance against the ravens coming back with 278 yards 17 off 22 i think he had a a, a next gen stats rating of 92 out of 100 he he was uh, that on the ball on monday night the uh, the touchdown as well um, in fact, technically, I should say two touchdowns. He had one through the air and one with his feet. Sean, what what did you make of of Jacoby? And you know, pl- playing th- that stat line there is one of a uh, quarterback that we'd be very happy to see week in week out. Yeah, most definitely, it's the best he's looked, isn't it, for quite some time now. I think we all were really, really optimistic after his first two or three starts of the season. We thought that you know he'd be a very, very nice little bridge until um, you know later on in the season. Um, it kind of fell off the rails a little bit in the last few weeks, but this was certainly a, a step back in the right direction. I think the the thing that I enjoyed about the performance was. You know, we, we've talked a lot in the last few weeks, haven't we, about the balance between running the ball, passing the ball. But this was a, a sort of, for me, the, the fact that the ball was really passed downfield. Um, when it was passed, Owens talked about, you know, explosive plays in the passing game. And there were a few on show here Monday night. And, yeah, you've only got to look. I think this is the first time again in the Stefanski era that no tight end has caught a pass. And now Njoku is obviously currently out. Um, you know, but there was no, um, you know, catches or even targets for Harrison Bryant or Pharaoh Brown, who got a fair bit of work, you know, it seemed like the previous couple of weeks. Um, you know, so this was very much a case of get the wide receivers involved and get them involved pushing the ball down the field. Um, and they obviously stuck true to, you know, what got them to the dance in terms of the running game, which we've said all along, if, if the two can work, in cohesion with each other. This is the Browns' formula for victory, isn't it? You know, where they've got, you know, the best running back in the league. I think I think everybody's starting to finally accept that that is the case now. I think we probably would have been jumping on that bandwagon for a couple of years. I think the rest of the league is very much now actually taking notice of just how good Nick Chubb actually is. Um, and obviously, there's some complimentary pieces there. But like I say, certainly, you know, good days for... Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples Jones. Um, you know, so yeah, good good bounce back day for Brissett. 
Yeah, absolutely. And let's uh, let's touch on Cooper and People's Jones for a second. Now, I'll wind the, uh, the 180-odd messages of which Sean's alluding to that he woke up to on Tuesday morning were, I would say, 95% us, as we seem to be uh, one of the few that was able to make it through to the early hours of the morning. And, you know, we were both glowing about, um, you know, especially Amari Cooper, um, but, you know, let's not take anything away from Donovan Peoples-Jones either. You know, four catches from four targets, 81 yards in its own right. It's a fantastic second wide receiver stat. Cooper, 131 yards, five from seven targets. Uh, he was given a sixth and then it was chalked off. And, of course, that really nice toe-tap uh, touchdown for Cooper as well, Not notwithstanding the incredibly nice long um, pass down the field towards the end of the game, which we showed in the uh, in the original highlight reel. Does this now, especially considering that this is Jacoby Brissett and not Deshaun Watson that's currently throwing the ball as well, and the fact that we're seeing this sort of production against a team that many people say should be in the top 10, does the Cleveland Browns still have a wide receiver problem? Yes, it does. And I'll tell you why. DPJ has surprised me a bit this year. There was no bigger fan of him when he was coming out of the draft, by the way, than than I was. But this season, I thought I thought he could be a capable two. But he's even surprised me in terms of what he's been able to do. Um, Amari Cooper has been brilliant, literally brilliant. Like we had the promise of of, of OBJ doing what Cooper's doing now. But Cooper's just getting on with this so quietly and he's, you know, for a fifth-round pick, it's an absolute, you know, steal. You look at the other sort of trades, Claypool going for a two, yes, I know we'll touch on it later when, when we speak about the trade deadline, but it's just, it's, it's, it is laughable. I see Sean laughing there. It's laughable that we managed to get Mario Cooper. We're, we're all laughing about it, mate, honestly. That, it, it is, when that came madness. through. And, um, and it's Chicago's too, not the Ravens too. Yeah, it, it is honestly madness. So <laughs> the, the only caveat I'll say to it is it was the Bengals that our wide receivers beat up on this week. And they... At the best of times, haven't got the best corners. They did actually end up probably on wide receiver three, I want to say, playing playing as a one. Mm. Because Eli Apple was already out. They lost another corner to an ACL tear during the game. Um, so I don't want to be a downer, but that's probably something to bear in mind. The only th- I think Cooper can be a really capable one. I'm happy with Cooper as a one. DPJ can be a capable two. He's showing it this season. I think he's on pace for over 800 yards, which is you know more than fine for, for a wide receiver two, especially with Jacoby Brissett throwing him the ball. The thing that I would love to add in the offseason, and I will hammer this home until we get to the draft, is an explosive slot player. I think that's the only thing we're missing. And I think if we get one of them in the draft next year that can you know run up the seam, has explosion after the catch get one of them in the draft this year, hopefully improved QB play like we're all expecting, this offense could go crazy, I'm telling you. Yeah, no, that that's sort of what I was expecting you to come out with, actually. Um, 
and my next question was going to be does does the draft solve it if we go in there with a, with a second rounder for example you know use that to take uh, take a wide receiver and be done with it um you know i look at i look at the roster now and what it could be like in 6 to 8 months um you know king grant can come back in and he can definitely play play a slot role maybe not to the extent of which we would want but he can definitely mm-hmm. go in and do a job but if we can go in, get the guy, and bring him up alongside, so that we've at least got options there, and then you know, I thought that um, I thought the amount of times that we played Michael Woods on Monday night was uh, was interesting. I know interesting. that, um, yeah, yeah I, I know that you felt the same as well. And I think that we can now put the nail in Anthony Schwartz's career at the Browns, yeah, at the very least, yeah, definitely. And yeah, and like you said, is is the answer in the draft and. Truth be told, I've been watching the draft. Uh, the sorry, the um, I've been watching college, college quite intently at that at that position this season because I was expecting us to need a wide receiver again this this off season. And I was saying to a couple of guys earlier that this this wide receiver class coming up, it's not going to be as exciting at the top as what it was last year. But quite frankly, that doesn't matter to us anyway. We're not going to have a first round pick to use on a wide receiver. But what this what this class is, in my opinion, is perfect for what we need. There's a ton of slot players which have explosion, which have speed, which can create after the catch, and they're all going to be available in rounds two to four. So I think we're going to get plenty of opportunities this year to to get that explosive slot player that could take this offense to the next level. Yeah, exciting times. De- definitely right. exciting times when it comes to that. And it's nights like Monday night that show you that we are only that sort of little bit away. That's definitely what I take away from that. Um, before I move on to the defense, I just want to give a shout out. I'm, I'm just loving being back in the booth. Spencer, you've said you've apologized for being late, even though you're moving house tomorrow. Look, that kind of commitment is incredibly commendable. Love you for it. Hope that uh, hope you're enjoying it whilst you're boxing your stuff up. I myself am going through a move in a couple of weeks, and I'm trying to uh, to dance this round it. So uh, nice to know I've got a brother in arms on that one. You enjoy yourself, bud. And uh, to anyone else that's uh, currently watching, feel free to send in your comments. If uh, if they slot into the show, I'll more than happily uh, engage. As will all of us. We do enjoy that. Let's uh, head over to the defensive side now. The theme was very obvious. Attack Joe Burrow, force him to throw it, uh, throw it short or throw it behind, and then get to them. And if you had told me that that was the game plan two, three weeks ago before I went on holiday, I would have said absolutely not a chance it's going to work because we're going to miss seven or eight tackles. And every time they check it down, it's going to the house. Where the hell has this defense been? They are making tackles left and right. Shoney Taki Taki is looking like a brand new flipping first round draft pick. You know, you made six tackles and assisted on seven um, and also got himself a sack. Isaiah Thomas is um, looked like Miles Garrett for one of the, for, for his sack. I've, you know, I think that everybody was like, "Oh yeah, Miles Miles Garrett gets the sack." Oh no, it's Isaiah freaking Thomas. So yeah, I'm um, AJ Green made the interception. This is like 
Sean, I'm going to come to you first, mate, because I'm starting to do what I always do, which is just sort of flounder at this. But <laughs> I think that you two have watched this a bit more intently than me over the last two weeks for obvious reasons. But where has this defence come from? Yeah, I think the biggest frustration with this defence has been the fact that this is kind of what we started to see at the back end of last season. And we all just expected the carryover to be that this would be what we got on week one. And for whatever reason, it's taken, what, five, six weeks before the defence has started to show out a little bit. Um, I actually thought they played really well against the Ravens. I think it's probably the best game they've put on against the Ravens in terms of keeping Lamar Jackson quiet. Mark Andrews was held without a catch last week, which if you'd have said that going in, everybody would have absolutely snapped your hands off. You know, so for me, I think this, this has been a steady improvement. Now, is that coupled with a couple of things? Is it a case of Dion Jones has come in, has added a bit of a veteran presence that we lost with Anthony Walker? I think that's part of it. I think Taki Taki has played extremely well when he's been on the field. He's obviously a bigger linebacker, so in terms of helping us against the run, um, you know, we've really had the benefit of that, which has been excellent. Um, Owens mentioned him several times this year. I think in terms of the secondary, Martin Emerson has been, I think, a bit of a revolution for a third-round pick, yeah. to be completely honest. Um, you know, I mean, a little bit of concern in terms of Denzel Ward, in terms of like looking at him from a career and a health perspective. You know, this is, a, you know, I think third or fourth concussion. He's still quite young. You know, everybody obviously takes longer to to get out of them and some are more severe than others and all of those type of things. But you often feel with Denzel when he picks up something, you know, whether it be a hamstring, whether it be a concussion, you know, whatever it is, most players maybe take a week to two weeks. You can probably add at least another week to two with Denzel Ward to get back. Um, but concentrating on the guys that were on the field, I thought Emerson was, again, excellent. You know, I think he's really physical. Um, you know, and to be honest, as much as I was surprised with that selection earlier on in the year, I think he's really turned out to be a really astute one. Um, and look, you know, it's probably the best Miles Garrett has looked since early part of the season. You know, I think he's he's tried to obviously play through the, um, you know, the, the sort of repercussions from his car incident. Um, you know, it's obviously going to be affecting him. I think they made comments on it, didn't they, Buck and Aikman in the booth about the fact that Garrett sort of almost says himself that, it's, you know, it's something he's going to have to sort of continue to play with. You know, I think anybody thinking that he's, you know, pain-free would be completely naive, but he looked really up for it Monday night. Um, and to be honest, I actually said going in, I really fancied us because we just seem to be Joe Burrow's kryptonite, don't we? He just does not seem yeah. to be able to beat us. That's Owen for now. It's 0-4, and you could probably say that at least three of those games, the Bengals would have been favourites, um, which would have probably been the two on the road. And obviously, I think they were certainly the favourites going into Monday night based on the records of the two teams. But for whatever reason, he loves throwing interceptions against the Browns. He loves getting back against anybody, doesn't he? Let's be honest. But, you know, certainly the defence sort of pricked their ears back and, and got after him, as you say. Um, and it was really, really encouraging um, I won't speak too much longer because I'll let Owen come in and, and obviously give him some, some points to make. But just very, very briefly, I think in terms of the the defensive side of things, I had to laugh at Spencer's comment there of higher Joe Woods. Um, I don't know if either of you have listened to the press conference today. We might talk about it a little bit later on. I think anybody that wanted Joe Woods gone is probably going to be a little bit disappointed about some of the stuff that they heard earlier. 
Um, I think Joe Woods is very much respected and liked within that building. Um, and, you know, I think so. The disappointing thing is it took four or five weeks to really get back to where we ended last season. So long may it continue. And hopefully this second half of the campaign, particularly if we do get this improved defence, which we're hoping that we're going to get, you know, we could actually start seeing some complimentary football week in and week out. Yeah, absolutely. I've just taken a look at a couple of other stats as well um, whilst we're talking about the defence. Something of which interested me was obviously those first few weeks of the season. Um, Sean, you, you even said, you know, where's Miles Garrett? And, you know, it was it, it was obvious that he wasn't able to get, you know, as, as quickly to the quarterback, etc., PFF, as, as much as as much as one one of you really appreciates the score, and one of you has uh, <laughs> reservations, shall we say? Anyway, let's not open up that can of worms. Miles Garrett is the highest graded player this season with ninety two point nine out of a hundred. Highest graded player this season. I think that just goes to show as to how his last few games have gone. I think that he's been able to get to the, uh, been able to get that pass rush a little better off. Um, he obviously had some success right at the start as well. I think that injuries were more the concern than anything else. Awine, let's uh, let's bring you in because uh, Sean very uh, very graciously gave the floor in order for you to be able to do that. Um, tackling, obviously probably one of the main improvements in terms of Monday nights. Um, was there anything else of which you saw of which you were impressed by or thinks that still needs looking at? I think, I think it's interesting you bring up tackling there because two weeks ago, me and Sean sat on this pod and, and sort of joked about how on earth they were going to get better at tackling by watching film. And it was unbelievable. <laughs> difference on Monday was absolutely unbelievable. I don't think they missed one on Monday and literally any time Burrow threw it to the flat, they were on whoever was catching the ball like a flash and they were nailing him straight away. No two, three yard gains after the catch, nothing. So whatever Joe Woods and his staff have done over the last two weeks to improve that, then hats off to them because I didn't think that was possible without them being able to hit in practice. So that that's my first point. Secondly, I think me, me and Ian spoke last week about Martin Emerson and how good he's been this season. But the, the one thing that we brought up last week was how well he was going to match up to the Bengals. The, as soon as Chase was out, you knew that him against Higgins was going to be beneficial to Martin Emerson because he's a big physical corner. He likes to get... You know, he likes to get in someone's face at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, if it was going to be Jamar Chase, then he was probably going to get roasted down the field a few times. But if it was Higgins, then he was going to stand up and he was going to make himself known. And it's exactly what he did. He was brilliant again. Um, I think he posted a top five in terms of our defence, um, uh, defensive grade on PFF, uh, PFF again this week. And then the last, the last point I'd like to make would... I think it's interesting. I saw a tweet earlier that John Johnson's been given the green dot back. And I wonder how much that has changed our defence over the last few weeks. John Johnson being the main communicator, calling plays, because he did it a lot last season, towards the end of the season as well. 
when our defence was playing well. So I don't know whether it's just a coincidence or no, whether there's something big in that. But I didn't understand really why he wasn't green dot to start this season after the success that they'd had to finish last season. And then he's got it back for the last few weeks by the looks of it. And there's been a massive uptick in our defensive performances. So, why, again, why they started off with Phillips with a green dot, I don't know. But if, if you know, if Johnson is keeping the green dot going forward and that's how our defence is going to play as a result of it, then sign me up, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, actually, because a lot of what the early defensive issues were were about communication. You know, it was something which was constantly brought up by Johnson, no less, but also by plenty of um, people, especially in the secondary uh, of the Browns. And um, that's, I can't think of a single time where communication was an issue on Monday night. I mean, it helps the fact that the Bengals basically give you the read before they ever snap the ball off. I, I don't think I actually uh, was surprised by any pass or run play of which uh, the Bengals did last uh, last night, I keep thinking it's Tuesday, it's Wednesday um, on Monday night because they, they line up so obviously as to which it's going to be. But um, definitely no blown coverages. Um, you know, they, they knew where to go when. It it was all very nicely. And I feel like apart from maybe one play against the Ravens last week, that was also the same from what I saw as well so yeah things are definitely getting better and then it becomes a question obviously next season if we if we already start looking that far forward you know is if we keep johnson around of course is he the guy who you give the green dot to over walker because you know does this just mean that the green dot should go to your secondary rather than your than your linebackers but i think that's a question for probably another day um let's take a look really we've spoken about being scary in a good way and uh about cooper and the rest of the attacking weapons let's let's look to the future with a first of all a quick look to the past so trade deadline day was yesterday the cleveland browns were expected to be quite busy in terms of potentially giving away one or two players one being of course kareem hunt there was rumors that they were going to um, potentially honour his trade request. Um, seemingly, that did not transpire. Um, according to Andrew Berry in the press conference yesterday, they said that they did not come close to trading him. So there were some rumours flying around, one being the Eagles, for example. Um, you know, um, there was a couple of others around the EFA as well. I think. I think there was... I think there was a Dolphins rumour at some point, which just didn't seem right. And I think there was a Bills rumour, which I'm like, why would we be handing AFC contenders who we still have to play this season, you know, a weapon? You know, it doesn't make sense. We would much rather take the comp pick if he ended up going to somewhere good. Anyway, um, so apparently that never happened. But they were close to acquiring a player, but it didn't happen. So that makes you wonder, as that player probably got sent away during last night's madness. There were a total of 10 trades on, on deadline day. We've already spoken about Chase Claypool. Um, Sean, I'll come to you first, bud. Obviously, a lot went on last night. Uh, the, the Dolphins seem to be the team that got the 
you know, that got the the best of the best of the bunch by bringing Bradley Chubb into their linebacker core. Um, judging by those comments, do you reckon that that was potentially the move? And then, are you happy that we didn't actually move anybody at all in the end? I think, in terms of for us, was that the move? I'd be very, very doubtful because we just obviously don't have the draft capital that other teams have. So I'd be very surprised. I would have assumed it would have been a much sort of lower value in terms of draft pick, something, you know, like maybe a fifth, sixth rounder. Defensive tackle was the obvious position, I would imagine. Um, I think, obviously, any sort of pipe dreams that we had a few weeks ago when Carolina moved on from Matt Rule and we talked about the likes of Derek Brown, they said that he wasn't going, but. Um, I can never pronounce the guy's name, right? Is it Matt Ionodis or something along those lines? Um, he might have been a target, um, you know, but obviously they, they didn't get anything done. I, I think in terms of Kareem Hunt, I can understand from a pragmatic and a practicality point of view if you could have got something for him in as much as we've got Nick Chubb, as we've talked about, Dearness Johnson's proven that he can be a capable backup. We've got other running backs on the roster and obviously there's the the sort of argument that you can pick up a running back you know either on drafted free agent or very late in the draft and probably get some sort of production from them I think if the value wasn't right um you know there's every chance I don't think Kareem Hunt's market's going to be anything like he expects it to be if he hits free agency and I think you may well find that he ends up back on the Browns and a much more team-friendly deal if they go that route um but it depends obviously on their view of the complementary pieces that are left in the running back room, because obviously it's going to still run through Nick Chubb, as we know. Um, so I, I can see the Kareem Hunt thing going one way or other. It, it could end up compensatory pick territory as well, potentially. So you might, you know, end up sort of with a net sort of what you were going to gain from yeah. it yesterday. So I'm not too disappointed, to be completely honest. I also think winning the game Monday night does realistically keep the Browns alive because of the fact that they've now got two games in the division. You know, they're two and one in the division. You know, we've obviously got three more divisional games ahead of us. We have got some favourable looking games on the schedule. And now that when we started the season, these next three coming up really look like toughies. But, you know, I think anybody would take the chances against the Bucks coming up. Miami's going to be tough, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, they have been, you know, fallible you know the defense was really really tore up by the lions in the first half on sunday so you know you can get at the miami dolphins um so i think that also probably played into sort of keeping hold of assets as well because i still think they would look at this season as win now mode um you know nobody's really pulling away as we've discussed you know so many teams seem to have a mediocre record don't they that you know, it's not like you're, you're absolutely miles away from putting a run together. So, all in all, not too disappointed. Just in terms of around the league, I actually thought the best bit of business was possibly um, Hawkinson, tight end, going from mm. um, Lions to Vikings, which, you know, you just talked there about why would we send a rival to an AFC team that we've got to play this season? Well, the Lions have just sent one to a team they have to play twice every year, which seems like a really, really bizarre one. Um, you know, the Lions I'm, are just bizarre, mate. From, yeah, from top yeah. to bottom, the Lions are bizarre. Yeah. I, th- I think Hawkinson's a really good player as well. Um, you know, the Vikings haven't had a good tight end since 
Well, I mean, Carl Rude, I've had a few decent years in the start of his career. Um, you know, but I think Hawkins is a real upgrade for them. So, um, you know, I thought that was a good bit of business overall. But, yeah, like we joked about it earlier. To be fair, the Steelers probably feel like they've won if they managed to get a second round pick back for Chase Claypool. Um, so, yeah, but not, not overly surprised or disappointed with the Browns' lack of activity yesterday, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's all right. You mentioned the Claypool trade again. How on earth have the Steelers been able to get out of Dodge with that is beyond me. But uh, I digress because that's going to be half an hour of me just moaning. Awine, you made it a point to make sure that I stuck in stuff about the trade deadline. So I'm just going to give you carte blanche, mate. Do you want to talk through your musings on uh, on trade deadline day and the Browns position within it all? Yeah, I was I was slightly actually disappointed that we didn't actually get rid of Hunt, to be perfectly honest. I think there seems to be a little narrative floating around that Kareem Hunt's a top 10 back in the NFL. He's not. Just, let's put it plain and simple, he's not. He did. He hasn't played well, actually, for a while now. Um, I don't know whether that injury last year hurt him like more than he let on, but... Ever since that, he's not really played all too well. He wasn't good last night, uh, on on Monday night either. Um, I, I'm personally, if we could have got a fifth round pick for him, I would have taken that and and run with Dearness because Dearness looked really good last season. He looked good when he was running the ball the other night as well. So I don't think there's a huge drop off, if anything, there. Um, so I was actually a little bit disappointed we didn't get that trade done. Um. You mentioned earlier, you know, whether that player that we were after got traded somewhere else. I don't think so. Um, you know, looking at the players and, and what they went for, you know, the only positions that I, I would have thought they would have been really keen on would have been tackle, like Sean said, defensive tackle or wide receiver. There was no chance they were in that Claypool deal at all. Like, no. We wouldn't have seen him go to us from the Steelers for a start and then to give up no, a two God, for no. like that's madness. So you know, you look at I've heard Actually, you know what? I'm gonna interject here. Shall I tell you as to why Claypool went for a two? Because the Packers went up against the Bears. According to a couple of uh, the okay. NFL insiders, apparently the Packers also put up their two to try and outbid the Bears, and the Bears saw their bluff. And the Bears have Makes to put sense. down their two rather than the Ravens' two to get it over the line. It makes sense in a way, but... You You're know, still giving up like a for Chase Claypool. No, we we were never going to be involved in that trade. The only wide receiver I can think that we may have been in on would have been Brandon Cooks, maybe for a, for a rental for mm. a while. And obviously he, um, he spoke about his frustrations of not getting traded after the deadline had passed yesterday. Um, Bradley Chubb, we would have, there would have been no chance we were in on that. One, draft pick-wise, doesn't make sense. Two, we wouldn't have had the money to pay him as well. You know, you're paying Miles top-edge money in the league. You wouldn't, you're not going to pay your, your edge two over 20 million either. So, that, you know, I'd be stunned if Chubb was, you know, even a consideration for us. But... Yeah, I think looking at the Claypool deal and you know other other deals around the league, I think just hits home 
how good of a trade that that Amari Cooper trade was for us at the start of the season. You know, you pay him the twenty mil and trade a fifth round pick instead of going into free agency and having no idea what you're getting there. Like Christian Kirk ended up near twenty mil um, APY, and he's been he's actually been okay at, at Jacksonville, but you know, to get a proven number one for a fifth round pick and 20 million in these times, we see him with a Claypool deal, how wide receivers are regarded around the league at the moment and how important they are. You see it with that deal. You see it with Kirk getting almost 20 million a year. You see it with some of these extensions, Chris Olave trade where Saints give up yet another first rounder for a wide receiver, you know, six wide receivers going in the top 20 picks in in the NFL draft. That's a really premium position in the NFL at the moment. So, you know, you can you can have some criticisms about how Andrew Berry sometimes made a couple of poor decisions, but you know, getting value for players like like that when I think Dion Jones is going to work out a real good trade for us as well. So, you know, those low low risk trades have been unbelievable and that was one of them. Yeah, absolutely. I, for, for for what it's worth, I'm actually quite glad that we didn't do anything yesterday. I find that uh, midway through the season, you overpay. And usually it's a case of if you know that you're right on the cusp and that you want to go over the top, I think that the Browns probably consider themselves on the fringes and are happy to just see where it goes. I think that they've sort of seen this as a, as a lost opportunity and they're just happy to cut their losses with it without having to, you know, cut into their cap or into their, uh, into their dwindling draft capital, even though they do seem to be going down the Rams route of uh, just throw picks at things. Um, obviously they haven't gone full Rams. Otherwise they would have done quite a bit of business yesterday, but uh, yeah, by the by, I actually think that we've got a pretty good, um, a, a pretty good nucleus to, to go forward with at the very least of which is, what I'd like to um, bring our attention to just for the last five minutes or so before we do a bit of uh, Barking Mad to finish off. Um, so obviously we're now three and five. We've had somewhat of a of a tumultuous story in terms of our losses in, the, in all but one game. It's been by one score. And after you get the Dolphins, the Bills and the Bucks out the way, the strength for schedule goes right down. Now you can just you can just tell me if I'm if I'm sniffing the paint or not here. Nine and eight and the seventh wild card pick are not out of the equation. Am I mad? I don't. I don't think you're mad. I think we've said it's been a very strange season. In as much as, apart from the real top-tier teams, everybody else seems to be very, very similar. Um, so I think that is obviously a massive help. I think I think the division is still arguably the best route in. You know, we're only a couple of games back in that. Um, we'll wait and see how that all shakes out come the end of the season. But like I say, I think you obviously now got a game in against the Bengals, you know, I, th- I think the Steelers are obviously not going to be anywhere close to contending come the end. I think the, the next Ravens game is huge, as sort of probably anticipated it would be pre-season. 
so much rests on what we get when Deshaun Watson comes back and actually starts playing, doesn't it? I think there's there's this massive expectation from some that he will come in and he will just be lights out. All I would say to that is cast your minds back around about, what now, 10, 11 weeks to the first pre-season game, which feels like an eternity ago. And yes, it was pre-season, but that was pretty rough to watch. Um, yeah, just know, a bit. This is a new scheme, new players, wouldn't have thrown a ball in the best part of, what, two years or however long it's going to have been. Um, not saying he won't be able to, fingers crossed, he can. But let's be honest, that trade when it was made, particularly, probably pretty safe in the knowledge that some form of suspension was coming down the tracks, was with 2023 and beyond in mind. It wasn't really to salvage the 2022 season. Um, you know, so I think I, I think there's a chance if they can pick up a couple of wins out of the next three. I think, look, let's be honest, I don't think any of us are giving us a hope in hell against the Bills. All right? And no. that's not anybody being negative. I think when I said about the top-tier teams, the Bills are very much the top-tier team. Probably the Bills and the Eagles have been miles ahead of most. Yeah, If we can get a game in... In terms of the Dolphins, which I think is a 50-50 kind of matchup, they will probably be slight favourites, but I don't think it would be completely unreasonable for us to have a, a chance at winning that game. And certainly at the moment, the way Tampa are playing, that's all of a sudden looking like a game. Like I say, if we could play that this weekend, you'd rather play it than be on the bye week this weekend, yeah. wouldn't you? Um, you know, yeah. So I do, I, do, I do think it's possible. I think, like I said, right when we talked earlier, I think the defence needs to continue to play at the level that it's sort of found itself in the last couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, I've been relatively optimistic. I think, you know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago, weren't we? We're more than likely going to end up at two and nine by the time, you know, we get to that that sort of week 12. And I sort of said then, you know, I don't think we're a million miles away. I really don't think we've been a million miles away in most games. Um, you know, but a four-week losing run is tough to swallow. It's difficult to really find that optimism and, you know, the reality is, you know, we could go through each game and you you said it yourself, mate, you know, could have won, should have won the Jets game, could have won the Falcons game. You know, we're an Amari Cooper pass interference call away from beating the Ravens. And let's be honest, that was no worse than the T. Higgins touchdown that ultimately was irrelevant it, it this really week. It really wasn't. Um, yeah. You know, these things have a way of, of working themselves out. I don't think we're a poor team. I think we'll probably end up in and around about 500. If nine and eight is enough to make the playoffs, then great. Um, but like I say, really, this season, as much as I don't really like it and I wouldn't have gone the route that we've gone, the realities we have, this is all really about the building blocks for 2023. Um, because really, that's when it's going to go all in. Again, referring to the press conference today, that's why all this cap money that we've got at the minute is being rolled over. Because I think the brands will be very, very aggressive when it comes to free agency next year in terms of some of the important positions like defensive tackle, they're not going to address that in the draft. There is no way they'll address that in the draft. That will be a proven veteran. It won't be a you know a rental like a Sue or people like that that have been mentioned this year to try and plug the gap. It will be somebody you know, that will come in on a good three or four year deal and you know and hopefully um, you know, be a real difference maker. So I think I think the future is very, very positive. I'm, you know, like I said, really pleased 
with with some of the aspects of what I've seen. Um, and like I say, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility. Um, but obviously, two weeks is a long time, isn't it? You know, we don't play a game. If we if we lose to the Dolphins game, then then all of a sudden we could be looking here thinking, you oh, know, we've, we've got a real mountain to climb now. So we shall wait and see. But certainly more optimistic following this week than we have been for a little while, that's for sure. Yeah, sorry. It's interesting that you bring up the uh, the cap space issue. I think that once we actually pay everyone, I think that our cap space almost dwindles to nothing, doesn't it? I'm currently frantically looking at over the cap and uh, and spot rack as we're talking. Um, Twenty two. Obviously, we have the most cap space this year with thirty two and a bit mil, and I do believe that our effective cap space, according to over the cap, is eight hundred and twenty five thousand. Apparently, yeah. But so look, the, first, uh, the first thing the Browns will do in the off season is they will restructure Watson's contract, and it'll all become a signing bonus. And there's there's another thirty five, forty million in cap or whatever. Look, you know my view on cap space, mate. There's plenty of ways you can be very uh, very clever and uh, get whatever cap space you need. I think the I think the Browns will be will be fine when it comes to cap space. Yeah, well, we'll touch on this when we when we do pods in the summer but uh i i think the nfl should bring in some kind of order to just stop that from happening because i'm pretty sure that the new orleans saints and the los angeles rams actually just have a a continuous cap they, they've got the infinity symbol next to their names more than anything else. How, are they, how, are, how are those two teams doing this year just out of interest uh, let's see. I'm, I'm wondering as to whether or not. Why have I got the Rams down? At, I still have the Rams to go ten and seven currently. So uh, what are they now? doing? All right. They've got like one. I can't. Them. I can't recall, mate. I've uh, I've been to bed since then. Not well. I'm gonna say. Um, oh, well, let's get let's get your thoughts on on this, bud. In terms of uh, in terms of whether or not I'm mad at nine and eight here, I might just be. High off a win, obviously we're not uh, we're not closing out close ones. There's some good ones to go, and a quarterback that apparently will play against Houston that is happening, according to Andrew Berry. He fully expects him to play in Houston, so no um, no getting away from a baptism of fire either, which I know is your fear with all this as well. So uh, yeah, are, are we just thinking that uh, that that this despite this, it's a case of just you know, it's going to be rocky. Yeah, for me, like, Monday does give you a little a little bit of hope, but how many times have we had, you know, a smidge of hope before? Um, I do think, I do still think that, that we're going to miss the playoffs. I think, you know, if, if you do manage to win the Dolphins game and the Tampa Bay game, then then you've got some real hope, but... Oh god! Me. If we win both of those, and I'm then I'm already coming up with playoff slogans, mate. I'm I'm <laughs> doing a rebrand. I'm I'm doing everything. I'll be right on the flipping bandwagon at that point. I still like even if we do win those those two games, I still foresee Watson coming back and struggling. So yeah, I don't think it's all, all going to be sunshine and rainbows when it gets to, to that Houston Houston game. So. For us to then run the table and go six and zero or even five and one for me is a stretch. Um, you mentioned it there that the Watson is going to play that Texans game, and you know I men- mentioned in our chat yesterday or the day before, like would it be, you know, would it be all that bad if he sits that game and and Brissett just takes the heat away from that one because that that one's going to be volatile. 
really, really hard situation to go in to play your first game in two years against your former franchise who everyone in that building is going to want your head on a stick. Like, in a game that you're going to be expected to win by literally everyone and everyone's going to want you to lose. Like, the media are going to want us to lose that game. Every team's fans are going to want us to lose that game. Everyone in the stadium is going to want us to lose that game. But going into it, you're going to be expected to win by, like, 20 points. So, for me... I would probably play Brissette that week, to be to be perfectly honest. I think he gives you maybe a more of a chance, weirdly, of winning that game. I, t- um, I tell you something, just to just to interject into that, that might actually be the best way of bleeding him in, though. If you've got a game where you're expected to run the table in terms of handicap, etc., right? Every everyone's expected to piss all over the Texans right now. They're trash. They're obviously tanking, etc. If the defense continues on its current trajectory from the last game and even to some extent the game before and can limit the Texans to, let's say, something around like 14, 15 points, you know, you could probably lean on lean, lean on almost anybody to get you about 17, 18 points. Let's not forget that even dis- we don't know exactly how he's going to come at- come out afterwards, but we don't give the guy two hundred and forty million guaranteed if he can't be better than Jacoby Brissett, even from the gate. If he can just perform even slightly less, uh, e- even you know a smidge less than Jacoby Brissett is currently performing, you'd still expect us to win that game, I think. And then to do it in that atmosphere, would that then just be the complete driving force for him to then just go from one step to another to another? Yeah, in a, in a perfect world, yeah, that would you know, if your defense comes out firing, you get an easy victory against your former team with all that pressure on you. Then every game becomes easier after that. But that is in a perfect world. We saw him not react particularly well to getting booed by Jacksonville in a half-empty stadium in preseason. So, no, I just think people underestimate the mental toll that the sport can have and how much that mental aspect can affect your your performance levels and for me it's not quite as black and white as what people may may make it seem no of course it's not and realistically all we are are free guys sitting in bedrooms or kitchens discussing this really so you know what do we know but you know but but by the same token i feel that you don't you don't accept that contract you don't you're not put in these situations if you can't handle it. You know, yeah, I think, Deshaun I think Watson knows just how much smoke is coming. It's it's a one-off event that nobody knows how anyone's going to handle it. For me, like you can pay him the two hundred and forty million because you've seen him play really, really good NFL football at times, and that's why you're paying him that two hundred and forty million. You're hoping that he can handle this event and this situation well as a person and maybe you think that he's got the mental capacity to do that but until that situation is thrusted upon you I I just don't for me it's not as plain and simple as Watson's back he's much better quarterback than Brissett 
he's going to go and double Brissett's passing yards, double his touchdowns. We're going to win by 40 straight away. It's, for yeah. me, it's not as simple as that. But, you know, yeah. I'd on, love to on, that, on that note, by the way, my 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 beer prop <laughs> from the start of the season just is not going to happen. No. Brissett has ended up throwing closer to 300 and 200 yards in the last few games. It would take him. It would take Watson actually scoring four hundred and ten or so yards a game consistently in order to actually get that beer prop in. So it's not going to happen. I'm going to have to eat the L on that one. But uh, no, I totally get that. And also, Chris has um, Chris has been quite active on this conversation. Just one thing which I'm going to bring up very very quickly and just almost shut down. The pressure has sunk in a bit. He's had therapy. I can promise you that therapy has had nothing to do with um, things which are going on around him or anything. It is very much a case of you do realize you've done something wrong, right? And then just probably an hour of just that for the last several weeks. It's definitely not going to have helped him in terms of that. They, they've got sports psychologists for that anyway, which he'd have probably have already have been using. Um, so yeah, that's not, uh, that's unfortunate. Well, unfortunately for us from a sporting perspective, not something of which is uh, being covered in those sessions, but he has much more important stuff to cover in those sessions. Um, before I close off uh, this and go to something a bit more lighthearted, Sean, do you want to jump in on any of that at all? Yeah, look, I, I think I can understand the validity in both ways of approaching it. I think, look, I've said, I think the reality is that, you know, it's been confirmed today he's going to play again. Like I said, we talked about it enough in the off-season, didn't we? Like it, dislike it, whatever your views on it were, it's something we're going to have to get used to. Um, and I think he's going to play, whether it's the right or wrong call. Um, you know, he's going to have a lot of stick wherever he goes for a long, long time. I think it will obviously die down over time, assuming that he has learned in terms of the off the field stuff. And we all hope that that is the case more than anything. Um, and then hopefully it will quieten down over the course of his career, but it's not going <laughs> to, it's not going to happen overnight. I was at the London game on Sunday and I did think to myself, you know, if I'm sitting here in 12 months time, and the Browns are, are over in London, fingers crossed. It's about time. Um, the Jags obviously did all their entrance on Sunday, and they obviously announce all the starters, don't they, on the offense? And obviously, you know, the quarterback gets gets the final call out. I was sitting there thinking, to myself, if the Browns are a home team and they call them out, can you imagine the reaction at Wembley or the Tottenham Stadium when they say, and for quarterback to Sean Watson? You know, we've said how difficult we're going to find it, but you can just imagine any neutral. It's just going to yeah. be horrendous. But look, at the end of the day... I'll drift my brown top off and, and boo with them as well. <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day, we've, we've talked about it enough, haven't we? You know, he's none of us have defended anything that he's done. He's done wrong. You know, the hope is that he has, you know, the, the therapy in terms of, you know, making sure that those kind of things don't happen, that his awareness around what he has or hasn't done in the past. Um, he's obviously heightened... But look, like I said, this franchise, this is the future of this franchise. It's a very difficult thing that we're going to have to all get used to. It's been been kind of nice, you know, as we said at the start of the season, wasn't it, to put it to the to the, to the side for a good few weeks. But, you know, the reality is when we come back from this bye week, I bet he can probably be then probably included in practices and all of those kind of things. And the, the shadow is growing ever longer, isn't it? And like I said, before you know it, it will be that week 13 game and he will definitely be on the field. 
Um, and let's hope that Chris has got it right, that he will come out and he'll ball because that's what we want to see from a sporting perspective. Um, I think, you know, all we've sort of said is, you know, let's just be mindful of the fact that, you know, this is a tough game. You know, there's quarterbacks in terms of the going Tampa at the moment and the going Green Bay at the moment who've been phenomenal year after year after year after year. They have to keep it up year after year after year. It's tough. It's very, very tough. You don't just come in and, and start throwing the ball around the yard like it's a you know a bit of high school football. It's gonna to be tough. Um, you know, but like I say, the franchise is certainly pinning its hopes on it. So let's uh, let's hope from the sporting side of things that it absolutely proves to be the right call. Yeah, and uh, right, moving on to some, some lighter stuff. And speaking of right calls, I'm going to applaud you both um, just on something very quickly. The uh, the Pickham's League, I take two weeks off, I look over my shoulder, and then all of a sudden I've got both Owain and Sean peering over my shoulder. I had a pretty healthy lead at one stage. And in fact, I didn't do too badly last week. I got 11 out of 15, right? And yet, both of you end up with 13 out of 15. I thought that I'd, I'd made some tough calls. Uh, you know, picking, for example, the Seahawks. And uh, I can't remember some of the other ones. But I was, uh, I was, I was, I was proud as punch on, on a few of those. I think uh, Washington ended up screwing me over, which would have tipped the scales a bit more. Um, I was sitting very pretty at the, uh, the late kickoffs. But... Um, at the moment, personally, still second on 75. Um, Sion, again, apologies for the pronunciation. I felt felt like I did a little better that time. Um, is on top on 78. I've been catching them up ever so slightly. The lead's now only three. I remember when we were first looking at this, it was like five or six. And I think it was six last week, and I've been able to start chipping away. Um, Awain and Sean, you're fifth and sixth respectively now. Not far away. Awain, you're just well, a one I... point off me on 74. I want to point out that, that, that I, I did not know what the margin meant for like four or five weeks of the season. So <laughs> the first four or five weeks, my margin was massive every single week. I didn't know what it meant. And then since then, I've started to bring it back down. But if it... I swear, if this comes down to a tie break at the end of the season, I lose on margin. I'm going to be fuming with myself. <laughs> Mate, honestly, you're not doing too badly on margin. Um, I mean, compared to me, it's it's not great. But uh, 85 is not a terrible Sh- Sean's got an 82 margin, so I wouldn't worry too much on that. Uh, Sean, you're just behind, but on uh, 71, you've still got a few points to make up. But you've uh, definitely gone about it in the right way since I've been gone. Um, but all to play for for sure. For those of you who are playing in the uh, in the league, do make sure you get your picks in because this is becoming a very interesting league. Um, and honestly, every pick matters because at one point on Sunday night, I was something like 68th in the entire of the UK. I ended up 240 some up. Bloody Taylor Heineke, bastard. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, so yeah, do do get your picks in. Uh, I'm going to say that's the start of uh, a bit of a barking matter, which I have called booing mad for all things Halloween. It was nice to actually have a Halloween themed game for the Browns. Obviously, you know, very Halloween colours. I saw a few jokes on uh, social media saying, did they just pick these two teams because of them being rather Halloween-y colours? Personally, I don't care. I think the Browns should look to own Halloween, much um, in the same way that the Lions pretend to own Thanksgiving. Um, I'd, I'd take that every time. We should have an all-orange um, jersey for it, even, and do an orange out. But uh, I just wanted to... Um, I'm going to show you some costumes, and I want you to pick your favourite, right? Now, this image does not exactly do it justice. I realize that now, now that it's rather small on your on, on your little streaming pods. But that's Greg Newsom in the background in what's a rather scary looking outfit there. Um, he must have spooked Cade York, at least for that first try that he made. Um, not uh, going to say too much more on, uh, on Cade York apart from that. But uh, Greg was obviously doing some some business there. John Johnson in a very daring Julius Caesar outfit, considering as to how he'd played before last, um, before Monday night. Uh, <laughs> uh, honestly, all I saw when I saw this was just a wine's face of derision and just being like, "No, you don't deserve to be hit, to to look that uh, assured of yourself." Then Kareem hunting the Joker mask. I, he very much did not want to take part by the looks of it, apart from the Joker mask. Um, but he uh, definitely played as a pretty good Joker, obviously, on Monday. And then I believe the absolute winner, no doubt, Miles Garrett. DPJ in. I couldn't get a photo. Uh, I was going to say, I couldn't get a photo. It was all video. Yes, and I was going to give him a little shout out, um, but I couldn't get a still image. Um, the Browns put it on as a video. Uh, what is it that he went up? Was it a Power Ranger? I believe that he went as. Yeah, uh, yes. But it, it, it's really it, just type in Donovan Peoples Jones Halloween. It'll pop up. It's uh, it's great. Definitely worthy of a mention. But Miles Garrett gets it not only just for the whole element of the costume, but also the fact that it completely relates to his goddamn house. Now he's done this for a couple of years now and it always brings about this um frenzy from the media especially about you know him you know he utilizes his career and builds it into his displays you can't see it that well from this photograph but for those of you at home that are maybe watching this full screen on a desktop for example um you can see it's a full stranger things style setup um i won't give away exactly what it's describing in case you haven't actually watched the the last season yet but um essentially it's joe burrow in a very compromising position um essentially about to be taken by the character of which miles garrett is portraying and around him are quarterbacks who he has previously sacked including baker mayfield Yes, oh. Baker Mayfield's jersey was indeed on there. It's the most prominent one of which I've seen on most of the photos. From this one, it's the one on the far right. Um, but yes, um, definitely no love lost there. Um, one question for you both on it, because I've heard different things from people and I got so like so in my head about it before the game yesterday that I felt like it needed its own thing. 
people dressing up, players dressing up for Halloween. Do we care at all? And if we care, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Because I've heard so many people go, oh, just win a game, just win a game. Whereas I actually think it sort of adds to it. I like the tradition of it personally. No, personally, I think it's just a little bit of fun. I think those things, you know, having played a team sport for a long time in in football, I think those teams, uh, those things can bring teams together in a certain type of way, like a little bit of camaraderie. People will be having competitions. Who who looks the best? Who looks the worst? It'll probably be a fine for whoever looks the worst or puts the least amount of effort in. So. Those things can can bring a little bit of. Uh, <laughs> so Cade York definitely gets it then. <laughs> Cade York definitely gets that fine. Yeah, quite possibly. To be fair, maybe even the special teams has one offense, defense. You may may have three different ones. So, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it personally. You know, just just have a little bit of fun. You know, Bengals didn't dress up; they lost anyway. So it doesn't it doesn't make any difference the outcome of a game whatsoever. Um, I've always found it a little bit weird, actually, that the teams in the NFL don't have a sort of like club tracksuit or club like suit or whatever. Because over your oh god, don't give them that idea. Uh, Don't give them them that idea. I cannot buy any more merch. Don't do it. True. Maybe maybe they should all dress with the the equipment staff hoodie and then not sell them to the general public. That would be a really good idea. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell, I tell you what, actually. Do you recall, uh, I think it was, it might have been last year or the year before, the Browns had a road uniform of which they wore when they were travelling on the road. It was an all-grey thing yeah. um, with the stripes as kind of like the logo on it. It looked absolutely f- awful yeah um but it was that sense of uniformity and uh yeah i think that if they are if, if they do something like that then it's going to have to be something that's a bit more uh a bit more worked out a bit more stylish in a way that nike can yeah yeah sean you strike saw, me as saw, someone that would be oops, sorry, why sorry was we that? saw um we saw joe hayden obviously get his um get his honour in by the Browns and, and retiring as a as a Brown. And we saw he got an equipment staff, uh, hoodie as well by the looks of it, which looked incredible. So, you know, if by any chance there's anyone on the Browns front office. Oh, do you not know? Did you did you not take my advice the other week? Browns no, it's not the real one. It's as close as you can get. Until they release the Nike ones, then... Mate, it's as my... close as you're gonna get. No, it's not good enough. Until until they release the Nike ones, then I'll sell my I'll sell my house and then buy one with the money that I get. But <laughs> until that happens, I'm sure your then, missus will be yeah, well be... proud of that. Well, I yeah, look I look good uh... for it anyway, in that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, your your missus and your little one will be like, oh, what? Why? Why do we live in a tent, Daddy? <laughs> oh, I got my equipment. I buy them one here. too. <laughs> no, I have to live in it, but yeah. Uh, Sean, you strike me as someone that doesn't really care for this sort of nonsense. But let's hear your few pence on it. <laughs> I, I, I don't really care either way, mate. Is the honest answer. I think everyone just said it there. It doesn't fundamentally make a difference to whether you win the game or not, does it? I think it's it's an obvious, easy, cheap shot for people to take if you don't win, um, and that's the yeah. danger, I suppose. That. 
you know, would people be sitting here saying the same if the score was 13-32 the other way around? Um, you know, but, you know, they, they're, they're human beings at the end of the day. You know, we all have stuff that goes on outside of our professional lives and, you know, you want to sort of take some time to chill out and enjoy yourself. That's what that's what it's all about. So, you know, I've got, I've got no problem with it, really, to be completely honest. Um, like you say, it's... It's much more an American thing, anyway. Halloween than 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 it is over yeah. here, isn't it? To be honest, it's it's kind of growing in popularity until until the cost of living crisis has struck. <laughs> Nobody can afford <laughs> to buy uh, buy sweets for the trick or treaters. Um, yeah, it turns no, out that trick or treat now is just plain theft. Exactly, mate. Exactly. So yeah, but now nah, look, like say, harmless bit of fun, and, and obviously, like say. As long as you do get the win afterwards, nobody then really cares at all, do they? So, yeah, no yeah. problem with it. I'm no, pretty no sure problem. that Miles Garrett would have looked incredibly stupid had he not had the performance that he had. But he backed up his uh, his costume and his antics probably tenfold of his performance. So uh, keep doing it. And for the love of God, please, let's get a petition going to own Halloween. I would very, very much love a Browns home game every Halloween, but that's just mm-hmm. me. Um, right, that is it for this week, folks. Obviously, no game to preview. Um, otherwise, we'd have done it half an hour ago. But uh, no game to preview, obviously, this week. We are on a bye, but we are not taking a holiday. We will be on a little later than usual uh, next week. We're on, obviously, a little later than usual this week because of Monday Night Football. We plan to be on either Wednesday or Thursday next week. We haven't quite ironed out the details yet, but uh, it won't be early in the week. It will definitely be later in the week. So uh, do um, keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, In the meantime, uh, the full 10 yards NFL podcast is out. You can look at that now. And also if you go to either at believe and Brit or at full 10 yards, you can find us on Twitter for a hell of a lot more commentary articles at, etc including the power rankings of which have been away for a couple of weeks because i've been away um little sneak preview the browns are 13th in them this uh this week of which some would say is too high and to those people i would say is you do them then and then you can put them wherever you want but uh 13th is where they're at right now i'm sick to death of putting us 19th and then us beating a good team uh, so yes, that is us for now. We will see you next week when we will be previewing the Miami Dolphins. I'm pretty sure that we'll have somebody uh, from the Full Ten Yards Network helping us out with that by hook or by crook. We have far too many Dolphins fans to mention on there, so we'll definitely get a guest for that. Sean Owine, thank you very much for this. Oh bloody hell, it's gone over an hour already. My goodness. Um, Yes, thank you for uh, talking Browns with me for over an hour. And until next week, we will see you there. 